right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Destroy All Neighbors, a new horror comedy that's out right now on Shudder from writer Charles Piper and director Josh Forbes. This is a ridiculous mix of rock and roll, prog rock to be exact, and splatter gore. And it is ridiculous, and we have a fun time talking about it. Joining me is Jonathan Martin. He's a filmmaker and the founder of the FilmQuest Film Festival, and I've been wanting to have him on here for years, so I'm really happy to have him here. And we have a great conversation, lots of great puzzle pieces to get into, including a lot of favorites of mine, so it'll be a fun one. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening right now, you can hit that follow or subscribe button. Make sure you find out about all the episodes we have on the way because there are a lot of episodes in the can that will be hitting the feed very soon. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. So with that said, let's get into this conversation about Destroy All Neighbors. All right, it's time to get into Destroy All Neighbors. This is going to be such a fun one. Joining me, we've got Jonathan Martin from FilmQuest. How are you doing, Jonathan? I am I am doing well. I'm, I'm enjoying, not really, the cold weather out here <laughs> in Utah. We got hit this last week with a lot of cold snow. And so, you know, just uh, I'm kind of bundled up in my Obi-Wan hobo. Oh, uh, you know, yeah. poncho right now, kind of making that happen. But how are you? Though? I was just there. I was just there over Christmas break and it, it's so cold that like it stops being cold. It's like you don't even register it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think there comes a point. I mean, fortunately, we have a dry cold, not to bore everybody with anything like that. But we do have, uh, <laughs> we don't, we're not like a wet cold. So I'm thankful for that. But once it, once it starts yeah. anything under freezing, you're just over. You just don't want it now. <laughs> You know, Sundance is coming up this week, and I've got to be up to be there this weekend. And so I, I, yeah. I, I already kind of have gotten over Sundance, so to speak. And so, but, but the fact that it's going to be really cold is uh, that's not going to add to my my joy. But, but it should be a good time all the same. It'll be it'll yeah. be a good time all the same. Absolutely. So, I, uh, you know, I, I'm super excited to have you here on the show. Back when I started this podcast, like six years ago, you were on the back of my mind as one of the people I might eventually reach out to. And it just worked out that this movie has a film quest connection with its writer, Charles Piper. And so it just felt like the perfect time to finally get you on here. Tell my listeners a little about you. And, you know, obviously you're a filmmaker as well, aside from film quest, like everything that you do. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. No, uh, first things first, it's great to be able to have Charlie having a film, you know, and not just like a film, like a feature film that he made for like 10 grand or something like that. Right. It's nice that it was sure. actually a film uh, that has some, um, I don't want to, every film has some significance, but it's, it's nice to see somebody that you, you obviously care a lot about through the festival sure. and stuff like that. And it's got buzz. I yeah. mean, everyone's talking about it this yeah, week. That we're recording yeah. this. Have some significance, right? Have some gravitas. Sure. But as for myself, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a filmmaker. Uh, I'd say I'm a filmmaker first and foremost, as far mm -hmm. as that goes. Speaking of features and all that sort of thing, I haven't been able to make a feature yet, but I've had a lot of success with my short films and my music videos as well. I've played quite a few film festivals with those. I've uh, been fortunate enough to win quite a few accolades 
uh, for those films. Uh, but you know, they come and go, right? And the projects sure. go and and so you look for things. Uh, right now, I'm actually doing a documentary for the state of Utah uh, oh. about their new state flag that they uh, that they passed into legislation and. And there's some tales I could tell about that uh, <laughs> without getting into it, but that's been fun. And uh, and then also, of course, I run Film Quest, which we just had our 10th anniversary season. I guess Amazing. this year is our 10th year of existence, but last year was actually our 10th season. And that ended up being a really, really big event. Um, it kind of felt like it exploded in many ways. Uh, and, you know, festivals take a while. If you don't have... A few million dollars to back you. You yeah. got you got to put your shoulder to the wheel and really, really kind of stick with it. And and fortunately, of course, we've had you. Uh, you're yeah. an alumni of Film Quest as well. Full disclosure, David. And mm -hmm. uh, that's how we obviously met. And uh, yeah, so uh, I'm fairly active in the community up here in Utah, but I'm I'm back and forth between LA quite a bit. And and my wife is an actress as well. And I guess right. I'll, I'll give her a little shout out. She's an actress and she just did uh, three feature films last year, actually, that nice. um, they're in various stages of release or completion. And and together we did a project uh, based, it was an audition film for uh, Masters of the Universe for the role of Tila. And yeah. so if you go onto YouTube and check out Tila and the Masters of the Universe, that's my wife and we made that together and we did get a million views out of it. So that was pretty cool. So not oh, too yeah. bad, not too bad for a little audition piece for a film they ended up canning. So <laughs> there it is, uh, you know, and, and that's a tale for another day about how that even all came into being. So, sure, um, sure. but that, that's, that's it in a nutshell. And, and so that's kind of fun. So. There it is. Right on, right on. Well, I'm really excited to talk about this one. I mean, obviously, I'm a musician. Uh, I, I love gore. I love dick and fart jokes. Um, you know, like I love the ridiculous stuff. Uh, so this movie just kind of throws all that in a blender. And I think that there will be a lot of really fun puzzle pieces to get into with this one. So, you know, we'll get into what we, you know, liked and maybe didn't like along the way. But let's just start jumping into puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first puzzle piece here for Destroy All Names? Yeah, and so this is this is obviously I'm new to your show, and mm -hmm. so I'm I'm hoping I'm I'm on the on the same groove. I'm gonna start with, you know, this film kept kind of coming to mind as I was watching it, whether it was intentional or not. And it's a film I kind of I dig. I haven't seen it a ton, maybe twice, but I do dig it. And it's Phantom of the Paradise, and mm. I think maybe a little bit of that, you know, it's it's a horror rock opera sending up. Um, setting up the kind of the rock musical tro tropes of the time, maybe films like Tommy and what have you, obviously sending up sure. Phantom of the Opera. But I think the element of the music and the music being such a strong um, push on the story, so to speak, uh, that, that just came to me a lot. And then obviously the death and the murder and the mayhem that comes with it. Uh, it's just something that, that just came to mind. Absolutely. That intersection of, of rock music and just like big dramatic music. I mean, this is obviously centered around prog rock, so right. definitely, you know, big music. But uh, between that and horror, uh, that's a great one to kick it off with. And I've, I also I haven't seen it in like 20 years at least. You know, I definitely need to uh, revisit that one of these days. Um, I really need to go on just a whole De Palma kick, honestly, and uh, go down the rabbit hole. But uh, yeah, it's a great one to kick it off with. 
I'm just going to jump right on top with another movie that kind of uh, rock music and horror going hand in hand. I'm going to Return of the Living Dead, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite zombie movies, uh, just a totally punk rock zombie horror comedy uh, that feels like the perfect comparison to Destroy All Neighbors and exactly what uh, Charles and the director Josh Forbes were going for with this. Um, just pure ridiculousness. It, it, not a single care in the world about like, you know, this being more than just a ridiculous, fun horror comedy. I think Return of the Living Dead is like the perfect example of those kinds of things. Yeah. And I think as you're, as you're talking about Return and, and, I, and I brought up Phantom is they're both ridiculous you know just going out for kind of the gusto trying out things um i think destroy all neighbors has that element there where maybe it it, it eschews development a little bit for the fun and the mayhem and sure the, and just getting into it and let's like let's not waste time with mm -hmm. uh you know 30 minutes of, of exposition let's just get right into this guy's problems his troubles and let's start letting the blood flow Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, for a movie about a creative person who is stuck and in a rut and letting everything like bother him and stop him from working on his creativity. I mean, we've all been there. We don't need to see 30 minutes of figuring out who this guy is. We know who he is. We're all that guy. So, you know, it, it, it definitely makes for a, a, a nice little shortcut there with this kind of character that uh, Jonah Ray Rodriguez plays. But what do you have for your next piece? Uh, the next one I've got, and I think a lot of the severed heads talking in clever ways on furniture around the apartment and around all the buildings, especially Alex Winters, uh, I thought a lot about Reanimator. As as I was kind of watching the film, obviously some gore, some blood. Obviously, Reanimator is a Frankenstein tale. I'm not going to say this is a Frankenstein tale, but um, but it was that the practical effects where it's just like you know that it's just his head, like just you know yeah. the hole cut out <laughs> over it, and then some gunk going on. But I think that's a lot of the charm, and and you're 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 picked up in the story enough that it doesn't really matter. That you know how that trick is being done. Um, yeah. It's an old school uh, uh, gag. And just kind of seeing that uh, reminded me a lot of Reanimator. Yeah, that, that's a great one. And uh, that is really funny, like how... You 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 totally know exactly what they're doing and and how they're achieving these talking you know heads and stuff like that. I'm gonna go uh, for my next piece to one that I feel like the seams are not visible at all, mm. but um, another classic of decapitations and gore and practical effects peter jackson's dead alive oh, um no. which is one of the best and especially in this movie uh once our main character william has to start hiding the fact that he's got all these dead neighbors and friends that are like stuck in his his apartment um it, it totally reminded me of the the basement in dead alive where you know he's got he's got like the nurse and he's got the priest and they're all dead and zombified and messing around with one another and he's got to like stop them from screwing with each other all, while also stopping everyone else from finding out that they're in there um you know, hijinks ensue, uh, but uh, goofy, over the top, not even really threatening at all. It's just gore for the sake of goofy gore. And uh, that's why I love Dead Alive. And I, I think that Destroy All Neighbors really taps into that a lot. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Dead Alive, I mean, what is it? Ultimately, he's he's taking care of his granny and mm -hmm. like, okay, there's some kind of... Um, 
almost actually reminded me of Robert Rodriguez, El Mariachi, where he has some of his scenes where he just speeds up the film really fast and the guy's making <laughs> a martini or something. They kind of have a little bit of that in Dead Alive too, where it's almost like, how fast can we get to the gore type of yeah. thing, right? Like, okay, we got this plot that we need to, you know, give you a plot, but how fast can we get to, to the mayhem and the fun and what you bought a ticket for? Right. Yes, so, absolutely. Peter Jackson has been promising for years. He's going to make one more splatter movie eventually, you know, after all of his big billion dollar projects. Mm. Um, we're, we're all waiting. I can't wait. I know. Could you know. imagine what he could do with that now, too? Like with like the weight <laughs> of whatever he's got culminating yeah. in his brain and and the and the and and even the people he could work with now. Right. Just to bring that. Together. Sure. I'd love to see something with all these like highbrow actors just getting like gored. That would be that kind would of rule. fun. It would be so good. What do you got for your next piece? Uh, next one is now this one I bring in because I think there was an aesthetic in the cinematography and the color palette and maybe even a similarity in the budget when it was all said and done. That reminded me a lot. And then, of course, there was gore in it as well. A little different type of gore. But Hobo with a Shotgun, uh, mm. the visual color palette of it just kind of kept reminding me of the real saturated colors, destroy all neighbors. There's there's very strong um, kind of a warmer palette. Uh, obviously, there's 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 shocks of blue and shocks of pink and and shocks of red, but and the greens. I mean, it, it plays with all of it. And whenever it brings in that color palette, that's that's where Hobo with a shotgun kind of uh, felt to me. And of course, Hobo, which has been a little while since I've seen it, and. Um, I mean, that's another gore piece <laughs> if you sure. haven't seen it. And uh, it's definitely, it, there's, the word I'm looking for is, while not story, and, and I don't know if the filmmakers would have even uh, used this as a frame of reference, but there is, there's just a visual aesthetic that seemed very similar to me, um, taking aside the attempted grindhouse that Hobo with the Shotgun was doing. Uh, you got to sure. put that away there, but but visually, there was uh, there was echoes of that to me at least. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of the like the recent like attempts at grindhouse, you know, movies they they kind of are grindhouse, but at the same time they're trying to do a lot with a little and a lot more than grindhouse movies yeah. were ever really trying to do. Um, I've actually never seen Hobo with a Shotgun. I, I've always wanted to. I, I'm going to have to check it out one of these days. Um, it, it looked like a lot of fun and you know exactly the kind of way that you would hope a movie called Hobo with a Shotgun would be. Um, yeah, I, I got to check that out. I'm going to go with one that maybe is around that same ish budget. Uh, it's from a couple of years ago, PG psycho Goreman. Um, another rock and roll comedy gore fest. Uh, this about a very like guar like, uh, creature who basically helps a little girl on an adventure. And, uh, again, you know, I'll, this is going to be I think through practically all of our puzzle pieces here, it, it's it's just that combination of uh, you know do-it-yourself aesthetics, gore, um, blood, you know, just rock and roll comedy, and just pure ridiculousness. Um, 
you could uh, you could almost see the kid sister in in Psycho Gorman like growing up to be a rock star in in a lot of the ways like the way D- the Destroy All Neighbors character is and uh, ending up in a situation like this maybe Psycho Gorman comes back and helps her out just like uh, you know everything happens here so yeah. Uh, yeah it's a fun movie though I've been wanting to see that actually I remember uh, seeing the trailer for it a few times and that's definitely been on my to do list as far as it went I remember my dad saw the trailer for it of all people he's all like they make movies like this why and he like knows they make movies like this but i think he just didn't realize that they still made movies like that sure and he's all like why would anybody want that and i'm sitting here like because it probably is going to make money (laughs) you know what i mean it's probably going to find an audience and probably make his budget back and and yes this is real so um that's actually uh that's something i'm definitely gonna have to put on my list as we're talking on here it's funny, the, the idea of like, you know, who would watch that? I think if you were to make, um, you know, circles of, of the people who go to Film Quest and the people who would watch Psycho Gorman, it would just be like one circle. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you call that? Like, what, what's the diagram when you put the two circles together? And right. You six, like there, it would be like a perfect, like, you know, yeah. solar eclipse happening there, right? <laughs> yes, like, exactly. At the worst, like an annular eclipse. You know, yes, like, that would be, that would yeah. definitely be in that group. <laughs> what do you got for your next puzzle piece so for my next puzzle this one might be the most obvious i think um i could be wrong but uh, evil dead 2 i mm-hmm. think uh you know there's some slapstick horror in there um obviously while they're two definitely very different leading men uh in terms of characters you've got ash who obviously gravitated from the first evil dead and is just kind of like a nobody every man that becomes this even though he's slaying demons and he's destroying deadites you know while these aren't quite deadites in the uh in the film uh there's definitely that um and obviously not the three stooges type comedy there is that physical humor that you could see at times they're throwing around the bodies there's the blood splattering all over him there's um even the uh, the characters themselves as they die, the way they kind of poke fun at him and egg him on. Yes. Um, there's a lot of that that kind of uh that there's kind of a feeling with. And um and that was that was quite a bit of fun, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think especially uh, Alex Winter's Vlad character, I mean, that is pure deadite. It's just, you know, just total trash talking. And whereas like an actual horror movie would, you know, scary things happen here it's more just about uh funny and and uh you know ridiculous and just kind of like egging on the main character mm-hmm. just to to make them kind of lose their stuff so it's like it's uh it's some really fun deadite-ish uh you know material happening here and evil dead's the best so uh, we love i almost feel like i can't do one of these without bringing up evil dead at least once in a conversation Exactly, exactly. I'm usually the one who does it, but uh, <laughs> I will go to, uh, so I'm going to actually go for a TV show uh, for another puzzle piece here. I'm going to go with Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, uh, in which Evan Peters plays Jeffrey Dahmer. It's one of these Ryan Murphy uh, shows, and just like the whole apartment complex setting and like the noises and smells coming through the walls and the uh, completely ineffective building supervisor that just does nothing to help the situation. 
Um, I, I, that's a show that was just a couple of years ago and I feel like mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, everybody kind of watched it. So maybe it was in the air when, uh, when this was, was coming about, but, uh, it's a really good show and, you know, just that setting, and there's been, you know, obviously, speaking of Evil Dead, we just had Evil Dead Rise, which took place in an apartment complex. So there's been horror in, in apartment complexes before, but I felt like the uh, right through the wall aspect of it reminded me so much of Monster. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned the apartment complex. Obviously, it lends itself to being able to make a film on a budget. You know, sure. you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to go out to all these locations. In fact, I would, I would almost say the film has maybe maybe four locations sounds about uh, right. like yeah. most i mean you've basically got the apartment complex the studio there's kind of a confrontation outside the studio and and then there's like the parking lot of the studio <laughs> I, I think that's about your locations in the film might be yeah. might be missing some but i mean that that storytelling you know and there's obviously different variations of it alone at the house or i mean rear window is an apartment complex you know what yeah. I mean? Like that's all on a studio, all on a stage. And that's um, interesting that you bring up like some of these things. And when you brought up Evil Dead Rise, because that was an experience. I was having such a good time. And then I totally like, I, like I got called a Karen, like during mm -hmm. the screening, because I literally had to tell this girl in front of me to turn off her phone four times as she was taking flash <laughs> selfies during like the last uh. 15 minutes. And they all like happening? gave me the finger and acted like I was somehow in the wrong. And I'm sitting here like, what is going on? Like, am I in some weird bizarro verse right now? And that, that like, that killed me. So I need to go back and watch like the last 15 minutes. Cause I just, it was totally took me out. But you know, you brought up something that was, uh, that kind of triggered me a little bit, not triggered me in a bad way, but it was, um, uh, you know, sometimes we look at horror and we get so caught up that, it, oh, that's not scary. It must be scary. Otherwise, it's mm -hmm. not. And it's like so many of these horror films that we talked about aren't really scary horror right. films, right? It's just, yeah, it's in the vein of horror. It's in that world of horror. That's what you would define it as. But you don't have to be scary to be a horror film. It's a totally different tonal experience when you want to do that. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And it, it, I think it goes to the, you know, the fact that right now horror is just absolutely killing it. And part of that reason is because there's such a wide range of what horror is. And it could be so many different things from the Blumhouse films to, you know, these kind of, uh, you know, DIY, smaller, you know, independent horror things uh, to, you know, the conjurings and all that stuff. Like it's just all across the board. Um, there's so many different kinds of horror. And so it really can corner so much of the market. Yeah. And, you know, it makes me, you know, sometimes wonder because, you know, coming back to Destroy All Neighbors, you know, because obviously I want I want Charlie and Co to have all the success that they can in the world. And it's it's interesting to see an audience reaction to things as you track kind of IMDb and you see what people are saying. And and I've always had this thing where Destroy All Monsters is definitely not a film that is hiding what it is. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? <laughs> it's sure. not it is not pulling wool over your eyes at all like yeah. what this is it's not it's not baiting and switching you at all it's like this has practical effects it has a charred landlady like uh you know just like <laughs> talking to you with puppeteering it's got alex winter uh in crazy makeup you know like there's gore there's blood there's prog rock like yep. it, it's not hiding at all like what the film is so sometimes i always find that interesting you know how people respond to 
a film that doesn't hide it. And as a little bit, like as a little bit of something to just aside, I only just found out like the day before it came out this weekend that Mean Girls was actually a musical, the remake that they just came out. And <laughs> yeah, the marketing is insane. I know. And I'm just like, my, my wife and I, we kept like talking to each other, like, why are, is this just a, like a straight up remake with Tina Fey in it again? What, what is going on? Like we, we had, are they that bankrupt? And then like, it turns out it was a musical and I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Like, and, and you look at the audience score on like Rotten Tomatoes for that. And it's not that high because a lot of people felt they got baited and switched uh, right. with the film. And, and, and it makes me wonder, it's like, if you would have been up front, would have it actually been bigger? Would you come right. in? But that's why, you know, that's why it's interesting to me when you see certain people maybe be negative towards something or not, it, it kind of makes it, well, did you not watch the trailer? Did you not even look at the poster? <laughs> like, what, what are you, what's missing for you here to like, just kind of go in there. And um, that's just kind of an aside um, as we're kind of talking about the genre a little bit generally. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. Your your last puzzle piece was Evil Dead 2, is that right? That's correct. Okay, I've got well, technically two more, but I'm going to oh. combine them because they actually fit perfectly together, and they both have to do with the ending of this movie. We do get into spoilers on the show. Yeah. Um, in the end of this movie, our, our hero and a whole bunch of his, you know, undead buddies they they're they're getting together and they they lock themselves in this room and then they end up having to musical battle against vlad who is now big supersized and still talking shit and uh it is a combination of airheads and tenacious d in the pick of destiny yeah two of the all-time best rock movies and so if you're gonna be inspired by you know silly ridiculous over-the-top rock and roll movies Come on, Airheads and Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, you, you can't do better. And you know what? I have to I have to give a little film quest shout out to Tenacious D here because uh Kyle Gass actually won Best Supporting Actor at the Film Festival a few years really? ago. Back in twenty at the twenty seventeen festival. And it the film was called Naw at the time, G N A W. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And they they retitled it like Apartment Three horrible title. Like but they re, re, when they released it wide, as far as it goes, but just look up Kyle Gass and you'll be able to find it. I think the, I think the lead actress was Penelope Mitchell or something like that, but he ended up winning and he came on out to the fest as so we nice. came that last day. And I asked him later, I was like, so why'd you come? He's like, I just had a feeling I was going to win, you know? And I mean, <laughs> I, I remember it being a very competitive year that you're like, Glenn Morshower was like nominated and he came out and it was like this competitive thing, but he came out. And somebody asked him, like, so how did how do you get him in your movie? How'd you how'd you get all into this? And Kyle Gass took the microphone during the QA and he said, If you want me in your movie, I'll be in your movie. Just don't make me audition. As long as you don't make me audition, I will be in your movie. So yeah. for anybody out there who's a filmmaker making a movie and you want Kyle Gass, just don't make the man audition and send him the offer. Done. It's, it's, it sounds that easy. So we'll see. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Who wouldn't want Kyle Gass in there? Yeah. He, he's, he's the best. He's awesome. Uh, I will read down our list of puzzle pieces here, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts. We talked about Phantom of the Paradise, Return of the Living Dead, Reanimator, Dead Alive, Hobo with a Shotgun, PG, Psycho Goreman, Evil Dead 2, Monster, The Jeffrey Dahmer Story, Airheads, and Tenacious D, and The Pick of Destiny. Of course... 
lots and lots of uh, horror comedies and rock and roll and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, that's, of course, where this conversation was going to lead. But are there any things we didn't quite get into that you wanted to mention uh, Um, other than puzzle pieces? You know, like... And I'm not like an expert in this in this film or even in this um, in this IP, um, but there's from what I've seen and the the sequences and the music and the rock and roll and the prog rock. I I, I kept thinking about it while it wasn't quite strong enough to be, say, a, a strong puzzle piece, right? Like maybe maybe it could be like a nub somewhere, but was. And it doesn't really relate genre wise, but I kind of kept thinking of heavy metal a little bit. I, I had a feeling that's where you were going. That's a really good pull. Yeah. Because yeah, that, especially with this kind of, you know, prog rock and like, I, I think this movie, Destroy All Neighbors, which we had fun with, like this movie with like a bigger budget probably would have went way into just crazy trip out sequences and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think you would have seen even more heavy metal uh, as an influence here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it could and it feels like even though this is obviously a feature film, like let's say we put this down and, and we condensed the story, it would fit very neatly into part of an anthology of like heavy metal, right? Like maybe sure. it's not out there in space, but it could be something like ouch on the distant planet of earth, you know, <laughs> there lives a man, you know, and then he comes on in and, and he is the master of prog rock, you know? And, and, you know, speaking of, I, I did crack up quite a bit from the, uh, the uh this the prog rock self-help like like the uh like the teach yourself prog rock you know uh, not teach yourself but the uh, how-to videos of how the yeah. guy goes in and there was like there was a few things that quite you know that quite blend in there and you know it does play a lot with the whole is this really happening is this no, really sure. what he says he's like no it's time to hide the bodies you know on yeah. the tour and you're like okay and and it's definitely that type of film where it's just like you just buckle in and you go for the ride There was just a movie like a year ago and I can't think of what it was where somebody had like a tape that was talking to them. Like, and I'm trying to remember what it was, but I I can't remember it. But, uh, yeah, I, I love all the, um, all the music stuff in this, you know, as a composer of kind of genre list music that there's not really a specific audience for. So it makes it very hard to market. Uh, I definitely get where this guy is coming from. Um, so that I definitely connected with a lot. I would also say uh, shout out to uh, Kumail Nanjani and Thomas Lennon in you know, smaller roles, but both hilarious. I haven't seen Kumail Nanjani in something funny like this in a while. Like he's always been so funny, but you know, he's kind of in Marvel mode for a while and stuff. And so it was really great to see him in just something weird again. And Thomas Lennon's always great. Yeah. Yeah. And small story on Thomas Lennon. I once, I, I crossed his line at a bowling alley once and we were bowling next to each other. This was years ago. And he took, and it was at an event called bowling for boobies which was a charity event for breast cancer research. And this is years ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk to the man. I dared not speak to the man after crossing mm-hmm. his line. But he like went to step forward to bowl. We did it at the same time. And he just stopped and he was just very serious, right? He had like this mustache on at the time. And yeah, it, was just, like, it was just like right there, the bowling ball. And it was almost like, excuse me, sir, was kind of like the look <laughs> on his face. And so that's my only interaction with the man. I'm sure he's hilarious. I'm sure he's awesome. But don't, don't, 
cross the man's line as he's bowling for like strikes you know what i mean so that that's the only that's the only tale of the tape i can have there but uh <laughs> kind of fun there because i think he had a team or something as part of that event but uh no 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 but you bring up um those those little cameos are really good and i didn't realize the woman who plays the landlady she's daniel caruso's mom in karate kid and, oh wow! I didn't. Yeah, know that yeah. So that's that's that actress, and I because I, I was like, why does she look familiar to me? What is it? And she looks definitely different now than when she would have forty years ago. But sure. you know that it's always fun to kind of see who's popping up in these roles. And the guy who played the uh, the homeless uh, the hobo mm-hmm. turns out that that guy he's like made a whole niche. He's like going to be I'm the go to actor if you need a homeless man in your movies. <laughs> And like he literally has like twenty to thirty credits of like homeless man, homeless man number one, homeless, homeless man, and it's like kind of amazing. And of course, he was a good actor, and and it was just you know it was fun. But you brought up the prog rock and the music. Kudos, I don't know who the composer was and who did that music, but but kudos to them because I was like, this is actually really pretty good. Like sure. the music, yeah. I, I was like, I was like, I'd actually kind of kick it to that that was that was kind of fun and uh and i guess it was original for the film as well because they didn't have they just had original music by and they didn't have any other um anything else that they were referencing to outside the obvious songs they yeah. uh, they had that going on so i have to say um you know it kind of got me going like mm, maybe i need to uh find some good prog and get in a new phase new phase of life everyone goes through a prog phase at some point right (laughs) yeah it's it's, it's, maybe it's time to rekindle that joy and Mm -hmm. um, absolutely i mean i I know we're we're planning if i'm not mistaken a another conversation with charlie um you know to come on up so i don't want to take up too much but if you know charlie um the lead character's name is it's Jay, right? William is William. The it's the name. The, of the, the actor is Jonah Ray. Jonah, Ray. Jonah. But yeah. William, like, if uh, you could see a little bit of Charlie in the lead character for sure oh, as yeah. well, and we could talk about that when when you bring up Charlie. So it was interesting to see the loves and and all that that kind of goes in. I don't want to take any. I don't want to take away any insight that he might share when you have yeah. him on the show. So we'll we'll save some cool. of that for for a sequel as far as it goes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Destroy All Neighbors. Jonathan, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? It could be like any movie, like anything that... Anything you watched recently that you were just really into. I'm going to give a film a shout out here that you should look for. From what I understand is I believe Raven Banner has picked it up. So I don't know its release strategy. And this played at Film Quest and... I had a feeling it would do well with the audience. I've never seen an audience reaction to a film like that, period. And it's a film mm. called Hundreds of Beavers. And it's it's everything that you shouldn't make. Like, it's black and white. It's almost a silent film. It's probably 15 minutes longer than it should be. But it is maybe the most ingenious, low-budget genre film I've seen almost ever it came from the makers of lake michigan monster which you could see on Mm -hmm. arrow and this is their follow-up to that and you think this film is going to run out of steam after like 10 15 minutes and it just continues to multiply and only get better and funnier and just absolutely stick the landing 
and it's a live action Looney Tunes in all the best ways. And I, I'm putting that on your listeners' radar and for people to watch because this thing barnstormed the festival circuit. We were pretty much the last one because of the way the 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 festival calendar worked. And I think it world premiered at Fantastic Fest. And then I think we were the last festival, or the next to last festival that it played. I think they might have been doing something local. But you guys, everybody, and I have a feeling that your listeners would be into something like this. This is a film that I don't know what it's going to do when it actually gets released because it is kind of niche. And yeah. it's definitely a film you want to see with an audience. But it is so, it's one of those films you just can't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, you really just, you just can't shake it out of your mind once you've kind of experienced it. And again, the, the reaction at film quest, and these are really good filmmakers, a lot of the audience, the crowd. And I even had guys coming up that I've known for years and they go like, listen, uh, I have to tell you, I didn't just love that movie. That became one of like my 10 favorite films of all time. And these are like people like who are fairly established, you know, and and you're just sitting here like, okay, something's happened here. So I want to put it out here because I definitely think when that film comes out, that should definitely be a film that you uh, that you circle and find a way to get more eyeballs on because there's it's just there's a mad genius at work with that and i'd love to see what those guys could do but it's almost because they only have like thirty thousand dollars or whatever they have that it's even to be able to be better so you almost wonder man if they had two million dollars would it have the same magic right so it's 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 one of those things but i'm going to put that on there um not because um i mean we could talk about all sorts of other films like salt burn and and why it's interesting to watch as you're watching it. And then you realize how it's all just a farce because there's nothing that actually justifies anybody's actions in the film. Like I I could get into that if I wanted to. Right. And so you start to be like, you're like enjoying the drink as it goes down. But then after you like start to get the aftertaste of it, you're like, wait a minute here. Good metaphor. You know, Um, and that wasn't (laughs) Coca-Cola. I was like, what was that? You know what I mean? Like, did somebody like spike my coffee? You know, you kind of sit there and you start to think about it um, there. But it's 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 um, you know, there's there's some films I've definitely seen. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go back a couple months to that experience there and put it on everybody's radar because I I absolutely think it should be on people's radar, especially in light yeah. of this kind of manic uh, destroy all neighbors that we're talking about. Sure, absolutely. I I actually cannot wait to see this movie. I had a few people who saw it at Fest that recommended it to me, and I I'm hoping we all get to see it soon because it sounds insane. I just love on Letterbox the uh, like the uh, the caption underneath hundreds of beavers. It says possibly thousands. That's just <laughs> right? I'm sold. Yeah, right? I, mean, I, I mean, and to give people an idea, like go check out the trailers for this and. To give you an idea, like this is a film where the beavers, they're not, a, they're not a practical effect. They're not a, a real beaver. It's literally people in beaver suits that you see the zippers of throughout the entire film with giant beaver paw shoes on and stuff. And, and it tells you the power and magic of cinema when you go all in into this world that you created, and I mean, you go in with the gusto and you just pretend this is just the world that we're living in, yeah. pretty quickly, the audience, you've bought in. You're in yeah. and you just accept that's what this world is. And sometimes 
you know, we get so caught up in as not just film lovers and filmmakers, uh, you know, cinephiles and connoisseurs, we could get so caught up in the pretentious end of things, right? And 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 the the um the craftsmanship and and you know all the the cinema, right? Mm-hmm. Like we could get so caught mm-hmm. up in it and we forget that cinema is still just a magic trick. And yeah. and we're all just in for this ride from different magicians and and some of them have something really hokey or or refined and they all have different acts and um and you just have to kind of appreciate the act for what it is and sometimes we try to put everything all into one like the whole spread the whole thanksgiving dinner just goes onto one table when we don't realize that there is there's all sorts of different types of buffets that you can enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. That is cinema right there. Yeah. But uh, Jonathan, tell people where they can find more about you and about FilmQuest. Yeah, thank you. Um, who doesn't love talking about themselves and what they do, right? <laughs> is uh, is I'm on 100 podcasts a year, like talking about myself. Right yeah, now. yeah. Make it happen. This is how it goes. Uh, yeah, if you want to see more about like what I do, um, some of my work, I could probably update the website a little bit. My website, my personal production company is Bohemian Industries. So you could check out bohemianindustries.com. It's exactly how it spells. And if you have to look it up, that's fine too. All good. And then obviously FilmQuest, you could, if you're a filmmaker and you're looking to submit either a screenplay or a project, we are a genre festival. It's amazing how many people submit with something that is absolutely not genre in the slightest, but (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we were telling them. So you can submit to us on Film Freeway. And you could obviously get more information about the festival through our website, which is Film Quest Fest, short for festival, and uh, F-E-S-T dot com. So filmquestfest.com. And feel free to reach out if you got a question, if you got an inquiry, if you want to do a project. Um, we can see where things land, right? There used to be a time I was... No, it must be my own project that I must go forward with, right? Like mm. being a naive, egotistical filmmaker. And then you realize you're probably not going to get a lot if you do that. And so so I'm open to talking to people about your project. It may or may not be a fit to help each other out. But if, if you'd like to talk about it, you know, let me know. And, uh, and we'll go from there. And, um, and uh, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Awesome. I mean, you might be hearing from me at some point in yeah. the project, but we'll see what happens. But uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for doing this. We're going to, like you mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking to Charles uh, in another future episode very soon, but maybe we'll get you back for another regular piecing it together sometime. I'd love it. I Listen, I am always, now that we've done this and now that I've had my first rodeo, now, you know, I feel <laughs> like I can put my boots on and maybe a little belt buckle and we can uh, tie a lasso together. So let's, uh, let's have me on. We'll figure it out. We'll go from there. And, uh, I look forward to it. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best pictures, some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984. And we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Destroy All Neighbors. 
Thank you to Jonathan Martin for joining me on that one. And thank you to all of you for listening. If you're enjoying Piecing It Together, make sure you are subscribed wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And if you have a moment, maybe drop us a little five-star rating and review. It helps make sure that more people find out about the podcast. And then we could keep doing all kinds of fun stuff with it, like the live shows I've been doing and get into all kinds of fun stuff, including... Uh, like Jonathan mentioned, we're going to be doing an interview with the writer of Destroy All Neighbors, which will be up on the podcast next week. So keep on listening, keep on subscribing, listen to the episodes, share the episodes, and let's keep doing fun stuff. So uh, I already told you at the top of the show that you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. You could also join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. We also have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, from Awesome Movie Year, which is another movie podcast that I produce, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there on the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. And we have a new way that you could also support the show with our Vouch Store. It's vouch.store slash Piecing It Together. And there's some great products in there that you can buy. And of course, we get a little kickback when you do. You guys know I'm a big coffee drinker. And we're selling some Split Rock coffee. There's dark roast, light roast, both whole bean and ground Really amazing coffee. You can get some of that there. There's also other stuff like mixed drinks bundles and all kinds of cool stuff. Check out the store if you want to support the show. It's vouch.store slash piecing it together. We'll be doing more stuff, adding more products there in the coming months. Uh, but yeah, there's all kinds of ways that you can support piecing it together. And I do appreciate you being out there and listening. So we always close these out with a piece of my music. Right now, I'm in the middle of my 24 for 2024 series, but I'm going to go back, you know, this Destroy All Neighbors being this, again, uh, I, the, the combination of rock and roll and ridiculous gore and over-the-top craziness. I got to go to the theme song that I made for the movie Bus Party to Hell from about six years ago. This is uh, exactly the kind of thing that we're talking about here. I could have even used Bus Party to Hell as a puzzle piece for this movie. But uh, this is a uh, very ridiculous movie from director Rolf Konefsky and produced by the Mahal Brothers here in Las Vegas. It is a very ridiculous, over-the-top mix of rock and roll and gore and demons and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, Severed heads, too. We talked about decapitated heads talking in this movie. But uh, anyway, enjoy this track. Again, it's the theme song from Bus Party to Hell. You can rent that movie, too. And uh, we'll be back with more Piecing It Together very soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.